The Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is? You know that I'm the cream of the crop. You better hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. San Francisco. I am Bimbo Jimbo. With me as always, Baby Huey. This is in the click. Baby Huey, our first episode. It's finally here. We've been wanting to do this for a long, long time. We've been talking wrestling for years on the Bones Airwaves, and now we finally have our own dedicated outlet. This will be a weekly podcast talking all things wrestling with a heavy WWE, you know, tint to it because, you know, that's that's sort of the way of the wrestling world. But we're going to cover all manner of things but we're finally doing it, man. I know. It's kind of exciting right now. I got goosebumps on me. See, look at that. I got like goosebumps. Like <laughs> Yes. Uh, I was a big, I was out of the basement fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. The monster in the basement or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and that one. I used to like the other books where you read and then you would. The choose your own adventure. Yes. I was a big fan of that one. Which is sort of like the podcasting world. You can choose your own adventure. You can choose your own podcast, whichever one you want to listen to. So if you are hearing my voice, thank you for choosing this adventure and coming along with In the Click and being a part of our, our wrestling podcast. Absolutely. Because if you really think about it in today's world, there's so many podcasts out there. There's so many wrestling podcasts out there. So for you to take the time to listen to us, yeah, we really appreciate it. This, yeah. this is really cool. I mean, yeah, as you just said, this is something we've been talking about for, <laughs> I was thinking about it earlier, like Do at we least go back a to year. The, well, I see the, I remember first time in conversation with you about it back when we were at the Double Nickel on Hawthorne Street. Yes. And I've been thinking about doing a wrestling podcast since college when I launched the Best Damn Nerd Show because, you know, I always wanted to do more in the pro wrestling world and everything like that. But I never, uh, you know, just didn't didn't have the, you know, like Captain America needed the right partner. And so I uh, found my tag team partner in Baby Huey. And, yeah, I knew... Uh, we were doing good work when WrestleMania was in Santa Clara, mm-hmm. uh, and we we did Radio Row, and even before that, just everything we had lined up. Just uh, I I knew then that uh, we were going to be tag team champions of a wrestling podcast someday. So here we are in the click. I feel well on that note. I feel kind of bad. We should have our manager Jimmy Hart here. That's right. He dubbed <laughs> us the U-Haul Brothers, which is not a canon name. Uh, you know, for for who we are, but uh, he did he did point out that we were a great tag team. So much love to Jimmy Hart, which we'll get to more about him a little bit later on in the show. I wonder how many times he's used that line in different markets. Like, I choose to believe that he says it just to us, baby. He, okay. why, do have, why do you have to want to pull back the curtain? Like I am that? cynical like that because. I, you know, when we interviewed him at that time, I was like, oh my God, we're talking to Jimmy Hart. Like, we grew up watching him, and he gave us a compliment of our own tag team name. But then, uh, you know, I've been in this business no, long enough. No, he always enough. said it to us. I've been in this business long enough. I'm like, okay, he's probably said that to every person he talks to. Well, I, w- I want to start off this episode since this is our inaugural episode. And I know a lot of you boneheads have probably heard our coverage be at the second shift or all of our interviews we've done with people from WWE and just mm-hmm. around the wrestling business. But I want to start off for our new listeners, maybe people that haven't heard that before, just 
who we are, mm-hmm. how we got into wrestling, and I'll yep. throw a couple questions. Your favorite wrestler, your all-time favorite match, and what's on your wrestling bucket list. So okay. please take it away. So, wow. Okay. I'm I'm a couple years older than you, Jimbo. I was born in 83, so I was definitely a kid of the 80s as far as when I was old enough to watch TV and, like, retain what I'm watching. So it was definitely by that point, what, late 80s? where I was able to start watching, like, Saturday Night Wrestling and start taking in, like, WCW episodes, WWF TV, all that stuff. I remember growing up, I was, <laughs> which, I, yeah, I'll okay, admit, yeah, no, growing up, I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan. I <laughs> No judgment, baby, Hugh. Okay, you, you can be okay. a fan of who, there's nothing wrong with, you were a kid yeah, was marketed to children. Exactly. You were supposed to be an Ultimate Warrior fan. Just because I was not as a kid doesn't, you know, mean anything. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. So in my household, uh, my older brother Tommy, he was a huge Hulk Hogan fan. So my parents bought him like a wrestling buddy, all the gear. For me, I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan. And so jumping ahead, one of my favorite matches is the two of them fighting at or wrestling at WrestleMania Six. So. God, did you have like ultimate bragging rights over like was that like a war in your household? That's like <laughs> that's like being like on opposite sides of like a political like uh, debate. Well, back then, if you think about it, that was a big deal as far as the two biggest baby faces of the company going at it. It was not your stereotypical heel versus baby face. It was like two people you love. I mean, deep down, I also love Hulk Hogan, but since my older brother was a Hulkamania, I didn't want to copy him. I I totally understand. Like for me, like my brother loved Wolverine, so I liked Gambit. Okay, yeah. So absolutely. So for me, I was like, yeah, I'm a Ultimate War. I loved the music, you know, as me as a big metalhead. I mean, his music, that automatically gives you You rev. You were a metalhead then? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always been a hard rock, rock and roll fan. I grew up on all that stuff. I mean, my parents passed it down to me. Not so much the metal, but just rock and roll. I was definitely more of a Stones kid than Beatles. I'm picturing, like, the scene in Joe Dirt where Dennis Miller, like, calls out Joe Dirt. Be like, Bob Seger? No, no, no. You were listening to more glam rock. <laughs> no, sir. I'm a rocker, dude. Through and through. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, in our household, uh, I was an Ultimate Warrior fan. And then uh, I'm trying to think what else at that time that really stuck out. I mean, because we you think about it, in the 80s. So did you rub it in Tommy's face when Ultimate Warrior won? Oh, absolutely. I was like, oh, my God, my guy won. It was, but yeah, Ultimate Warrior, when he would run to the ring, that got me amped up. I mean, everything about him was larger than life. I mean, he's this big, muscular dude who would yell and just, he was like everything I think a kid wanted to be as far as he was like a real-life superhero. I mean, if you watch, like, a lot of these wrestlers back in the day, these over-the-top gimmicks and appearances, like, Oh my God, like I can look like that maybe, or I want to be like that. So Ultimate War, I was a huge fan. And I don't know why. Growing up, I was always uh, love watching the uh, Bushwhackers. I don't know why. It was just like I that. See that. <laughs> that was like one of my favorite tag teams as a kid. I mean, their whole thing, you know, coming out, licking people's faces and just. He still <laughs> does that to this day. Doing the arm thing. So I, I don't know why. I just, I always was love watching the Bushwhackers. And then. Uh, yeah, we got to see them go into the Hall of Fame, didn't we? I think when we were in Santa Clara. Yeah, Bret oh Hart God. did the Bushwhacker dance with yeah. them. It was surreal. And then uh, I will say this: there was like a point in like the early '90s when I got kind of a little bit older, like uh, I think right before middle school. So like I kind of didn't watch it for a few years. I kind of stopped. I tuned out. Just I got busy with other things. And <laughs> as a kid, yeah, and I'll be honest, because I was like playing basketball and like multiple teams and so i was so busy then i got back into it right before 
I was probably like 93, 94. So a couple years before the Attitude Era kicked off, like like back in middle back school. back for the new generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like the when Hogan was gone yeah, and I finally came back to that. But, okay, so first was question. It like Thunder in Paradise? Was that his TV show? <laughs> yes, on TNT. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, okay, so growing up, I was a huge Ultimate Warrior fan, but as far as my, I think my peak years as a teenager, I was definitely a Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. Obviously, look at me right now. I got my Austin 316 shirt on right now. I thought I had to represent on. It's interesting. You and I are both wearing, I think, our favorite wrestler's shirts. Yeah, we and I think, that, I mean, I, I had a feeling you would be, and I definitely picked my my shirt to represent. Maybe I'll tell a funny story about a Shawn Michaels shirt. Spoiler I, alert, Shawn Michaels is my all-time favorite professional wrestler. I think wrestler. you should do that. Uh, okay, so. Uh, so you got Austin's your favorite all-time wrestler. Yeah, now, yeah, looking back on it, like all-time, who I geeked out for is Stone Cold Steve Austin. So then you say, what, favorite match? Yeah. It doesn't have to be with Stone Cold. Wow. You know, just like your all-time favorite match. Like, you already know. We've talked about mine. I'll give it again here for people, but. Man, I, I'm trying to think. Like, if you were to, and this is the way I sort of put it. If you were to put on one match, it's sort of like the scene in Walk the Line. <laughs> uh, you know, if you had to play one match for God and everybody to why you like professional wrestling. You did the, the one match that you feel like tells the best story and just, like, encapsulates why you're a pro wrestling fan. Man, well, I, no pressure. Like <laughs> one of the first ones that stood out to me in that whole kind of attitude era was Austin Bret Hart when Austin yeah, passed that, out. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's perfect. Bleeding one. down his face, and he passes out, and he technically, I mean, he lost the match because, or the ref, you know, stopped it. Who was the ref in that match? Was it world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock? That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one that always kind of stuck out to me early on. And then, I mean, of course, you jump ahead. I, uh, like, uh, yeah, The Rock versus Stone Cold, uh, their third times. So would that be WrestleMania 19? 19 in Seattle? I mean, just afterwards, The Rock leaning over after the match was over, after he pinned him. He leans over into Austin's ear, and as we all know, now it's revealed that he— Yeah, he, but we didn't know that watching it. Yeah, watching it, but now looking back on it, though, it was revealed that The Rock thanked him for everything. Because yeah. I think they all knew it was Austin's last match, and he was on his way out, and he thanked him for putting him over. So I think that's a great match as well, just as far as these two guys who pretty much carried the WWE— when Shawn Michaels wasn't there. I wasn't going to jump on you for <laughs> I, it. I know, I know, I I know you're thinking it. For, well, I don't know if they, I, I mean, I have a lot to say about that statement, but I'll, but. Okay, but, I, okay, much. I mean, but that era, I mean, as far as them two, it was definitely, I think, uh, a conclusion wrapping up all the years of them two going at it. Absolutely. And so, oh man, I, I, I want to get sad thinking about it now. I was there. It was an incredible, yeah, incredible moment. To, just to see and. I think it's just, it's uh, the sign that because those two guys, like I said, they they help carry the company and take them over the top as far as I just don't know. WCW. But then I'll, the, the interesting thing I, was, thing I just wanted to say about that is you know they had three matches at WrestleMania, yeah, and each one was just as anticipated as the other. You know, yes. there was there was no sense of fatigue of it being like oh this match again at WrestleMania or something like Correct. that. That's rare. Yes, to have. To have two guys that people will always clamor for to see go at it, and yeah. just the clash of styles and personalities. So that that is something I really took away from that is just like what an incredible trio of matches that they had, and just the spectacle of it all. I think the one at fifteen 
was like definitely it was a huge spectacle. Maybe not a maybe not like a five star classic or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Still, it was a great moment because Austin got the title back. X seven, fantastic match. We can go all day about the outcome uh, yeah. and the and the aftermath of that match. And then nineteen was a great sort of capper to it. And then the other thing you think about it because it was also revealed like him, The Rock, and Stone Cold would have like friendly bets. Like every time they would stun him, he owed him a case of beer and all that yeah. stuff. So it's just finding out more of their behind the scenes friendship and just so that moment now look at, bigger to you exactly. And God, I'm trying what's to- on your what's on your wrestling bucket list? Like somebody you want to meet, something you want to do. <laughs> I definitely want to see a Wrestle Kingdom live in Tokyo, Japan. Okay, that's good. That's something I would love to experience. I, that's something for us. Uh, I not in our older age. I mean, I think it's something we could save up for. And you know, it's early in January, so I was thinking maybe if I didn't take vacation in December, carry over into January. Yeah, I, I just want to let the uh, listeners of In the Click uh, let you know right now that if there is ever a gap in shows in December. It's because Baby Huey, in fact, does not work in December. Oh my God, we're doing this again. So just, just, just a quick little, little paid for by the in the click podcast <laughs> that that Baby Huey does not work in December. I'll try. I'll drag him kicking and screaming if I have to. But if there's a gap or any solo shows or any guest hosts, any best ofs in December, you know why. Uh, all right, so. Okay. My, my all-time favorite wrestler. Yes. So growing up in the 80s, my favorite, what I call classic or golden era okay. WWF wrestlers, Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. Uh, I, and I loved Hulk Hogan as well, but it was sort of, um, you know, I am the younger brother also. And so it was always sort of like, I, I liked rooting for maybe the guy that wasn't the clear cut A number one dude. Yeah. Like I rooted for the guy that like I thought was like the coolest and had all the I th- I thought Macho Man in the eighties was the coolest. I loved his promos. I loved his his uh, his look, his uh, his arsenal of maneuvers, his tactics. I mean, he had Miss Elizabeth with him and stuff like that. So, growing up, I loved Macho Man Randy Savage. I and. I rooted for him so hard, it, like against Hulk Hogan when the mega mega powers exploded. Like that was still as like a bone of contention. I was like, Macho Man should have won that match. It's ridiculous. Like you know, like I really like you know, like Hogan was the one in the wrong. He's lusting after Miss Elizabeth and everything. Well, like your that. eyes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lust in your eyes, and he did. So, so I always really liked Macho Man in terms of like the golden age and everything. My all time a number one with the bullet. And look, I love Ric Flair too. I'm a big, I'm like a huge Ric Flair mark. Yeah. Uh, and when I get drunk, I often morph into Ric Flair. Like, I mean, the, there's been times where like my old general manager from when I was a bartender, we're outside a bar in San Francisco. We're having a woo off. I throw my jacket onto the sidewalk and I start elbow dropping into the street. And he's like, okay, you win, you win. I, I was black and blue all up and down my side. Uh, don't know. Anyway, there's lots of nights like that. We should that. play that audio. So, so kudos to the Nate. Yeah, there's audio of me after the Warriors won our first uh, championship in 40 years uh, of me morphing into Ric Flair and just, like, cutting a promo. Uh, so there's that. But my all-time favorite professional wrestler by far is the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, there's just never been anybody – that connected with me as much as Sean. He was the coolest guy in the room, no matter the room. You know, like, uh, he, he, they even, like, uh, WWE put on their Instagram, you know, they're doing, like, the whole, like, throwback thing. It's like, because he, he's, like, he's about the chicks, the money, and having a good time, and that's what it's all about. And I was like, dude, that guy's the coolest. And it was sort of, like, a way, you know, when you're, 
for me, like, I, I'm not the cool. Yeah, I'm maybe in the coolest guy in some rooms now, but Sean was always the coolest guy in the room. Uh, you know, he and he was all about the the ladies and he could go in the ring. I thought he had a very cool look. Like, I still think his ring attire is some of the coolest. Like, I love oh, the yeah. OG, like Shawn Michaels, long tights. His boots were sick. The glove, like just every, his whole presentation. It was total rock and roll. Absolutely. I've always and I've talked to you about this before. To me, Shawn Michaels in sort of look and presentation, the David Lee Roth of professional wrestling, you know, like sweet mullet, just that kind of like front man kind of deal. And he, Shawn Michaels is a great front man, uh, put on great matches. He's my, I loved when he had the IC title and I feel like an under talked about time period is sort Mm -hmm. of early heartbreak kid. You know, he was with Sherry and then post Sherry. Yeah. Like 92, 93, 93, that era uh, of Shawn, I really loved and all throughout, you know, and that's sort of, the genesis for why we're in the click and everything like that, mm-hmm. because, you know, Sean, everything spawned the click and that some of our favorite guys came from that. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, we do the little hand gesture and uh, it, it, it like <laughs> it gives it gives a, it gives credence to why when I started bringing back the click hand gesture and photos and then baby Huey started doing it. Now we actually have an official reason. At least we're tag teamed up on it uh, now. And it's not just. Not just Huey's lack of, you know, whatever. Um, Did but, I ever tell you uh, a coworker here questioned what I was doing in those photos? Did I tell you the full? I think you did tell me that. Uh, our old GM, he saw a photo of me on Instagram. That's right. I doing the that. Yeah. Doing the too you sweet. He was like satanic. Well, he's like, hey, I saw you. I see all in your photos. You keep doing this too sweet thing. What is Should've that? pointed him to me. <laughs> No. And then he said, is that some game thing? I'm like, no, it's it's a wrestling thing. And then I actually brought up the well, old sort of a game thing. Well, I mean, I said it's a wrestling thing. It's a group of friends from the 90s. They all used to do that. And I brought that classic photo of all five of them that's like backstage at an event. And I showed him that photo. I said, this is where it all started from. And then it led to uh, DX, NWO, and yeah. then guys like the Bullet Club who use it today copying that style so i try to explain them briefly <laughs> a wrestling history yeah. in like five minutes and i always just thought the click was such a cool term like i know yeah. you know like we have you me and chasta we do the the second shift like i feel like we're sort of like the, the click and chasta's the click chick and it's just like we're I mean, our own little little radio click which well not I like. to like open the fourth wall too much but like literally it's i think the three of us like we're the closest in this building as We're the tightest team. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, like, the three of us are all around the same age, and we just bond yeah. so easily, and it's always a fun time with each other. So, yeah, it makes sense. So, Sean's my guy. Okay. Uh, and my all-time favorite wrestling match, uh, and, I, and I've said this to multiple people, I've told this to Charlotte Flair, JR, and stuff like that. If I had to pick one match to show anybody about why I'm a professional wrestling fan, it's Shawn Michaels versus the Nature Boy Ric Flair at WrestleMania 24. I kick myself a lot that I was not at that WrestleMania. Uh, quick story on that. I was in Las Vegas going to uh, No Way Out. Uh, and so I was there with my buddy. We were watching No Way Out. I, I stayed late at the tables. And again, this was early on in my life. I didn't have, you know, the super disposable income that I do now. And I didn't I didn't know what his situation was. So I'm at the tables playing blackjack all night long. And I get on a little bit of a heater and I start making some money. Okay. And in my head, I'm like, okay. I'm doing this until I have enough to pay for two kick-ass seats to WrestleMania 24 flight and hotel. I'm going to, I'm going to cover this whole thing and I'm making good money. 
and then it all turned on me. And that's why I didn't. I, the, the last hand I played, I went all in. Dealer got blackjack, and I said, thanks, everybody. Good night, everybody. Oh, that's my God. That's it for me. Uh, so that's why I didn't end up at WrestleMania 24. Because your bad uh, blackjack skills. Bad bad betting, yeah. Bad beats, bad beats. Uh, so that's my all-time favorite match. I think the story that they tell in that one, you have two of the greatest of all time, the person that Sean idolized growing up, mm-hmm. uh, Ric Flair pushing the sun back up into the sky for one last match, one last moment of glory. Mm-hmm. He wants to fight the best. That Just the whole build-up to that was wonderful. It was such a great... Uh, just a great story there. I love like Rick and the weeks leading up to it, bringing back the old NWA world title and Sean being so reticent about doing it. And of course it, it all led to the one of the most classic moments in wrestling history with Sean saying, I'm sorry. I love you. Super kick one, two, three end of Ric Flair's WWF career, WWE career uh, and just capped one of the great stories and one of the great careers. So that that's, that's my one match. Uh, okay. And if for my wrestling bucket list, mm-hmm. I really, really, really would love to take a bump through a table. Like what? CW style on fire or barb. Like I would I would love to do that. Like <laughs> and and my you know, people think I'm crazy, but I really want to take like a you know, like obviously I'm not saying I'm a tough guy and can do it. Like I'm scared to death of doing it, but I wanna do it. Wow. I, like I real I really wanna take a big bump like that. Who would you want to deliver it? You want the deadlies? Yeah, I would, I would love them. to take a 3D through a table. Wow. Uh, that 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 would be cool to me. You'd be like, um, you know? like May Young? Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, shoot, man. You squeeze Bubba afterwards and you're okay. I'm okay. Yeah, but I might not be able to. But again, I'm not saying I'm a tough guy. And I would love to eat a super kick from Sean. Like, that would be great. I'd love to take an RK. I want to take some bumps. Oh, like, man. Now I feel bad on my bucket list. Like, well, I'm thinking more of a trip. And you're talking bad. about wrestling moves. <laughs> it's canon in the show now. So, oh, that's, so that's a little bit about who we are yeah. and everything like that. So thanks for coming along for this ride. We have a lot to get to, though, however, because we are on the precipice of SummerSlam weekend 2018. I can't we have believe NXT it. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Okay. SummerSlam to follow that. So we do have a little bit of news to get to, which we call clickbait here on In the Click. And so let's we gotta start out with, unfortunately, some sad news with the passing of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Yeah. It is an unfortunate reality for wrestlers and wrestling fans that a lot of the people that you grew up watching and seeing perform and entertain you, they die way, way too young. And this was another case with Jim the Anvil. And I think we all got a, like a different perspective on him from watching mm-hmm. Total Divas over the last few years. And it yeah. was, it was honestly, it was sort of a treat to see him get that kind of spotlight and love and, you know, through, through Natty's perspective and everything from that family side. Cause Jim the Anvil is kind of, you know, I felt like he was kind of overlooked a little bit uh, by history in terms of his contributions to the Hart foundation okay. and everything yeah. like that in recent years. And I, I feel like total divas did a good job of putting the spotlight back on him, but it was very sad news. And just seeing again, from watching that show and, and seeing how Natty is on social media, how much love and admiration for her father she had and just how devastating this loss was for her. But I mean, just what was your reaction? Just your, so your thoughts about it. It was, uh, of course, very sad as far as, so then the news came out Monday morning and actually I was here at work and, uh, it was literally like, I think in the 7am hour and I immediately saw like a WWE posting about it and I was like, Oh my God. And I, the first person I told was Chassa who we work with here at the radio station and the reason I told Chassa, because Chassa knows of him through Total Divas, which just shows the power of what, what that show does as far as fan base and getting eyeballs 
on the, the wrestling industry. But of course, I was sad because, you know, going back to earlier, you know, I grew up watching wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s. It's when I'm talking about like the Bushwhackers, but there was a lot of other great tag teams at that time. Heart Foundation being one of them, Demolition, uh, the Road Warriors. So Jim the Anvil Nightheart really stuck out to me as far as his personality, how animated he was, what him and Brett did together, because we can argue how much Brett is done for the industry overall and just how successful he was as a solo wrestler. But it's Jim the Anvil Nightheart, and I think their time together that really helped spearhead Brett into success and stuff. So I think Brett probably owes a lot to Jim for as far as just getting him out there and their success together is what made Brett. I think think that's a good point because Jim was the more typically sized guy for the time period. You know, he's a big bodybuilder looking guy and stuff like that. So I think it was a lot, it was an easier sell to the company and to, to, you know, to promote them at the time when you have a really big guy, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of, on this team along with sort of quote smaller guy with Brett and everything Mm -hmm. like that. And obviously Brett comes with such a great wrestling pedigree. Uh, There's a very sad photo that was circulating around the internet. It was was the photo of the heart foundation. Everybody that's passed away is in black and white. And then just, it's only Brett. And to me, that was, I think that really hit home to me. That's when I really realized like, wow, he's gone too now. It just, yeah. Because so going back to Janine, what he meant as far as, Great wrestling tag team, and then you know he was gone for a while, and then he came back. As far as the whole Hart Foundation, Brett Staple, uh, especially taking on DX and stuff, so it was very sad to realize, wow, Brett is all alone right now. Yeah, what, it, I, it just it, it really sort of rang. I don't want to say cursed, but it's it's almost like a Kennedy esque. Yes. Sort of situation like just that family, that the heart family, family and everything yes. like that. Just everything they've had to go through is just so incredibly sad. I always thought it was just kind of interesting, just total coincidence. You know, his last name's Night Hart, and then he oh, totally. married into the Hart family. Yeah. I always thought it was just nice play on words. Life, life, is, uh, life is funny like that. But yeah, I mean, and you also look at like what he did as a wrestler himself, but yeah, even maybe his greatest accomplishment is producing. Natty. Natty. And and she does carry on the heart and Nightheart legacy so well. And uh, we just wanted to say, you know, that obviously our, our heartfelt condolences and yeah. well wishes go out to the family this time. And it affects them all. I mean, you see, you know, like British Bulldogs kids posting. I mean, he, he wrestling but, is such a familial business yeah. that, that could, when you connect with somebody like that, they become like a part of your family. So, uh, like, this obviously sends ripples throughout everything. The and, family tree that yeah. that legacy that whole family is is amazing but yeah just going back with Jim Anvil Nightheart I mean I love watching him back in the day like him and Brett were kind of like yin and yang of each other Brett was more the serious mm-hmm. straight shooter talker while Jim you know his Flamboyant, look crazy yeah, he, laugh yeah he had the, the flat top buzz cut but known for his uh, his goatee and yeah he would jump in and just yell and get amped up and it's like let's get out there and so he would definitely just help sell the match. Like, let's get amped up. Let's go out there. We can kick some ass. And so they were just a great combination working together. They were just so dynamic, so opposite, but yet coming together. And plus they made, you know, wrestling in pink outfits tough. Pink, pink and black attack. Yes. I mean, it just uh, their, their move sets were always fun to watch. And I just, they were a really fun tag team to watch back As in the Gorilla day. Monsoon would say, tag team specialists. So rest yes. in peace, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Uh, on a happier note, the, mm-hmm. next, uh, the next bit of clickbait we got to get to, 
uh, Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. uh, was interviewed, and uh, this was he was on the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, and uh, Bryan at, was asked about uh, you know as far as staying with the company beyond his current contract, and you know there's been a lot of speculation about you know whether or not Daniel Bryan would leave after his WWE contract and stuff like that. You know, even, even you know, I think more so before he came back to wrestle, you yes. know, which was a great comeback. But even still then, rumors persisted, well, maybe he's still going to leave anyway. Yeah. Uh, but Daniel had this to say. He said, I think at this point, it's 90 plus percent. I would say it's likely I will sign with WWE. I have not re-signed yet, but it could happen as soon as the end of this week, and it might be a couple more weeks or whatever it is. So it sounds like Daniel Bryan's in WWE to stay. Great call for him. And, you know, I mean, where where is he going to go? I mean, he yes. could go have great matches in New Japan. He could go to Lucha Underground. He could go to Impact. but Ring of Honor. He could go to, yeah, he could go back to Ring of Honor, all these things. But I, I think the fact that the WWE listened and let him come back, you know, they had his best interests at heart. Sure, they had corporate interests at heart, too. But they really did have his health on their mind, yeah. it's, you know, when they sort of forced him into retirement. Yeah. But they also listened and, you know, the whole fight for your dreams thing. He's back now. So. Well, the other thing, okay, like real talk, yeah, you're, where else is he going to go? I mean, I think he's going to sign hands down. It's obvious because you got to look at it this way. As you said, he can go off and have these crazy matches, maybe one last hoorah going around the world, indie shows or these other promotions around the country. But real talk, he's a married man now. He has a kid now and he's older. So he's got to look out for his future and his family's long-term future. And so WWE has the big bucks. Like, I don't want to make this all about money thing, but as far as what him and his family and their brand can do long term, it's in their best interest to stay with WWE. That's the biggest company in the world. And so for him, let if this is his last run, I mean, I'm sure it was he late 30s now. So however long this run goes for, let him do his thing, wrestle for the next X amount of years uh, and do against while under WWE's umbrella, get maybe other projects going to set up his family long term. You, you, I'm just looking more from like an actual family business side of things. It just totally. makes sense well, to Bree's stay. Bree's whole brand is WWE. Yeah, you know, Bree doesn't have any cachet outside of WWE. Yeah. No offense to Bree or anything. I'm sure she could do very well, but it's like Total Divas, Total Bellas, like all, all this stuff. Like the infrastructure for their success is in World Wrestling Entertainment. I just thought of it. You think if he would hypothetically, if he would leave and go to like Ring of Honor or New Japan, do Total Divas and Total Bellas still exist or go on with the yes. Bellas on there? And Daniel's still on the show. I don't know if he'd still be on the show or not, but I think that they, they, they're too—they're too much of an entity to sort of just take away because. Yeah. Of that. And I also don't think WWE would really have that big of an axe to grind with with Daniel either. Well, that's the thing. It's uh, that's why I'm thinking he has to sign because I think he would lose too many other projects that he's involved with right now. So it just makes sense to stay with WWE, ride this out. It's the biggest stage for him to quote maybe in his career whenever that does happen. Now, if they hadn't let him come back. You know, if they had turned him down, then I could have seen him leaving because he loves to wrestle and you have to respect that. And he got cleared by so many doctors. And if the WWE still said no, then I would totally understand his desire to leave and want to go scratch that itch because it's hard because, you know, I know it's not a quote unquote, you know, real sport, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to tell any athlete when it's time to hang it up when it's not on their own terms. Absolutely. You know, you. I mean, you've seen it time and time again in sports, you know, like Brett, Brett Favre wanted to go out on his own terms. Charles Barkley wanted to go. So it's it's hard for an injury or something like that to tell somebody when to hang it up, and it sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, you know, the quote like from Rocky Balboa, there's stuff in the basement, 
and Daniel had stuff in the basement that he needed to clear out. And fortunately, he's able to do it on the biggest stage, and he's got a real big one coming up this Sunday, which we're going to get into in a few minutes. But Mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan's not going anywhere. Oh, totally. No, you're right. He's staying here, and he's going to ride this baby out for as long as he can. Uh, another another positive note is something that that we've pushed for for a while. We talked to to uh, this person about it at WrestleMania uh, when we talked to Renee Young, mm-hmm. who I call the Doris Burke of sports entertainment or the Doris Burke of WWE, in the fact that she started sort of the quote sideline reporter. But I think she has a future at the commentary desk. You know, having you know being doing play by play and everything like that. She got her shot this mm-hmm. past week on Monday Night Raw which was a huge moment uh, for WWE, for Renee Young, for, you know, just pushing forward in terms of, like, female empowerment and everything like that. And just overall just very well-deserved because she is so talented. I'm such a, like, a big Renee Young fan. How'd you think she did? I thought, I, I, really, I really enjoyed her performance. Uh, I, cause, and, you know, we talked about this, JR. I'm not the biggest fan of the three-man weave sort of uh, at the commentary table, but I thought she acquitted herself very well. Yeah, I think given... The scenario that she was put in, I think she delivered as best as she could. And as you said, yeah, she's an amazing talent. She is great on the microphone. She's, I think, very engaging. She's a great personality. And I think WWE is very lucky to have her. It seems she's very diverse in whatever project that she's given to them or yeah. they give her to do. And so, yeah, I, I love watching her. I think she's just very intelligent, especially in the wrestling industry. So in that situation, though, you have Michael Cole, who's like the main guy. You got Corey Graves, who's kind of like the heel slash commentator who kind of The Jesse Ventura. Yeah, and then you got her. So it's a lot of voices to get out there. So I think for her to kind of be thrown into that, it's very tough, I'm sure, to find get in stride. It's almost like a a moving river, and you're finding your places just to jump in, or it's a moving train. And and I'm sure she didn't want to overstep and overjump in and stuff like that. You want to pick your spots. Yeah, she found her moments and jumped in when she could, and I think brought some interesting, entertaining stuff to the table. And so, to her credit, I think she did the best in that situation. It's tough. Like you said, three men, three people. It's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Exactly. So I think what she did in that situation is the best she can do. And I want to see more of it. (laughs) I I mean, she she does, too. She said she wants to do more of that. I mean, obviously, you know, I was worried WWE was going to lose her to ESPN a couple years back. And everything, and I'm still worried about that. So I think they would be wise to keep giving her these opportunities. Mm-hmm. My, in my opinion, I, what I love about Renee uh, is that I feel like she is a better balance of what WWE wants to do on the mic from their commentaries right now. Is that okay. she she speaks very authoritatively uh, about the product and and sort of isn't taking it lightly. Like Roman Reigns and and Elias are in the ring, she can sort of like put over the fact that there is sports action going on in mm-hmm. the ring while also doing her corporate duties of promoting what's next and stuff yeah. like that. So I actually think she would be a better suited one. Like she, I, I would love to see her be uh, like play by play, like Cole of raw. Like I, I think she is a, I, I think she could be the lead dog because then you put her with, if you're going to have to have three, my dream team on raw right now would be Renee young, Corey Graves and the coach. And I know the coach has gotten a lot of criticism, but I don't think it's all his fault. And I and I think, uh, I you know, and I'm, I'm a big Corey Graves fan. I think they have to dial everybody back a little bit. I think Corey, okay. I think Corey's like, uh, you know, like like Kramer or Ari from, uh, you know, Entourage, respectively, and Seinfeld getting like, it'd be like a little bit too much of a good thing with his with his cut downs of his of his fellow broadcast partners. Yeah. Which yeah. coach is still getting his feet back wet, mm-hmm. you know, in wrestling. 
don't think that has maybe been the most helpful to Coach. I, I like what Coach brings to the table, and I think as he gets more comfortable, his sort of additions will be better received and everything like that. But you got to let him get a little bit more comfortable. What about Booker time. T? I, I'm, fine with, I'm fine with Booker as well, but I think that the team that I would want on Raw right now would okay. be Renee Young, Graves, and the coach. What would you do with Michael Cole? Sure, there's plenty of WWE Network shows that he could host. It's SmackDown. I wonder how long he could do this for. I mean, I know he has a big role behind the scenes doing stuff, so I wonder maybe he can start doing that and let Renee come in. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing it for a long time, so that, that's what I'm saying. And, I mean, of course, like, super dream would be to bring Morrow back up to one of the, you know, I love him on NXT. I don't want to lose him on NXT. Uh, don't get me wrong, but uh, Morrow is... Uh, Morrow is just tremendous. Mama Mia! Yeah, he, I mean, he is uh, He is on another another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last uh, bit of clickbait before we move on to okay. getting ready for SummerSlam weekend. Ronda Rousey spoke with ESPN, and I, I found some of her quotes interesting, so I just wanted to read these real quick. Okay. Um, on her love for the WWE, she said, I love this way more than I ever thought I would. We had a, a set timeline set. And now we aren't so sure about it because I love it so much. I guess that's the best thing that could have happened. Um, Interesting. Okay. I, uh, I, I, the, the thing that jumped out to me, a lot of people are just talking about, oh, how she's loving it way more than she thought she would. What jumped out to me about that was in terms of having a set timeline. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Like, like a one year plan- deal? Yeah. Is she planning on like doing this for a little bit and then parachuting back into movies or something? Like, I, I don't know. What, what do you take from that? Well, yeah, the timeline, I, I'm thinking, like, from the contract standpoint. So I wonder, maybe she told them, I'll give you, like, a year. I'll train and then do a year commitment, maybe from WrestleMania to WrestleMania, and then at that point, reevaluate the situation, see if you like it, and then either she can move on or stick around and kind of maybe build off what she's been doing. And I think, yeah, I, I who knows? I mean, who who knows what they're talking about behind the scenes, but it could be a situation. She's probably telling him I'm loving this. I, 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 she's probably getting addicted to everything about it. Yeah. And she's probably like, I want to do this long term. She gets to win again. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> so, you know, that hadn't got that feel for a little bit. Yeah. So I, I, I think for her, she's probably like, you know, I, I, maybe she's thinking like, I don't want to get like beat up in UFC anymore. Like taking like, yeah. Hardcore punches in the face the and she kicks. She loves wrestling. And, she, yeah. and like her whole connection with Roddy, uh, with uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and everything like that. And, and listen, uh, it, to all the critics and the haters, Rhonda has done a spectacular job. She has been she has been a home run box office smash for yeah. WWE. Her match at WrestleMania with Kurt Angle against Triple H Stephanie was match of the night, in yeah. my opinion. She is special. Like mm-hmm. she, the way she carries herself, she needs to like, okay, so she needs to stop smiling a little bit. She's getting her scowl back down and everything. Her mic skills are developing. Hit and miss, but they're there. Like you can see it that she, she has it, you know, she has that, that magnetism that people uh, gravitate towards. So I th- I think her signing and everything like that, dude, when she gets angry and just start, like, I loved it when she was beating up the security team and stuff like that. And she's for, for being so new to this, mm-hmm. she's very good. Oh, totally. Well, okay. And I know there's a lot of haters out there, but she's damn good. Well, I'm sure she's probably thinking, okay, at this point in my life, what else is there to do in UFC? I'm in the Hall of Fame now. Maybe she's thinking, I can make this a long term career, take care of myself for the long term, have fun doing it, and create her a, a second legacy. She already has her legacy in the UFC. This is probably an opportunity to be like, quote, two sport athlete, if that makes sense, as far as being yeah. in two different 
promotions. I also wouldn't be surprised if she ends up in the octagon again. Yeah, I, I, going back to the gut, like maybe she still has yeah. stuff you know, she wants she to prove. She didn't leave uh, on you know the on best her terms, terms yeah. really. Not that she was on bad terms with Dana White or anything of the sort, but you know she lost a couple matches. And I think no matter what, like, dude, she's the best female competitor UFC has ever seen. Yeah, but going back to the and WWE, she's one of the biggest box office draws UFC has ever had. Dude, she walks into the arena, you know, with Joan Jett playing in the background, and the crowd goes crazy. She probably feels like a rock star. Yeah, absolutely. So she wants to keep this going. I, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad for her. I'm glad she's having so much fun. I'm glad she's a part of WWE. It's uh, to me, I, I think sky's the limit for her. Yeah, she's she is already so so good. I do think she's going to become the first woman to main event WrestleMania, probably again. Charlotte mm-hmm. uh, somehow, and and I'm looking forward to it. Do you think eventually uh, they might pair up with Paul Heyman? So you know, Paul Heyman's I've, wants I've, a, I've heard wants a Paul Heyman guy, but what about a girl? Paul Heyman girl? I, I could see them doing that. I I think she. Um, I, I would hope they would wait for a while for her to do the heel turn kind of thing, and I don't think her mic skills dictate that she needs a Paul Heyman. Like I don't think she's she, so bad on the mic. She can't be a baby face with Paul Heyman. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, I think Paul Heyman, his whole shtick is a heel shtick. Uh, so that that's that's more Advocate. what I see. I I would I, I mean it, it would be interesting, and I definitely think Ronda has being a heel in her. Absolutely, dude, she'd be a badass yeah, heel. She absolutely has has the heel thing in her for sure. I think her mic skills are going to come along even better. I think we've seen week to week that they've gotten. Oh, better. it's drastically better in the last what four months. Yeah, and and listen, I don't think this is the best era for somebody to even learn how to talk on the on the mic because it's so. I think people are more limited today in WWE on what they can and can't say. Oh and yeah, yeah. Ha- and how they are coached on that. Now again, I'm not there, but yeah, it's it's a lot more stilted. And confined, so that's mm-hmm. difficult to be creative within and sort of find your voice. But okay. she's finding it, so mm-hmm. I, I give her a lot of credit for that. That's going to do it for clickbait. We have to jump into SummerSlam weekend. So we're, you know, I was going to talk about you know sort of the go home shows for for each for for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but we're running a little short on time. So let's go ahead and we're going to break down the card for both NXT. Yeah, we have so at the radio station here we we have a little uh we <laughs> we're, we're degenerate gamblers and my favorite thing to gamble on of course is professional wrestling. So Not blackjack. A, a, during the big 4, I, I was I was doing well, you know. <laughs> you can't you can't can't beat the that's why the casino always wins. I was doing well. Uh, Got to so learn to walk away. Criticize myself. I wanted to take me and my buddy to wrestle. It was four-year run, by the way. Yeah, I wanted to take us to WrestleMania. Dude, but you had enough to just take yourself. He could find his I'm own way. I'm not a selfish person, baby. Dude, he, you should have just walked away. To, I was trying to have two boyhood dreams going on. I should have. He actually told me, he's like, dude, you should have called me. I could have fronted the rest. And he could have because I was a pretty good amount of money. Uh, but, all right. So, what we have, yeah, so we have in front of us the the card for NXT, uh, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 and for SummerSlam. Uh, so we're going to break down each match and sort of give a couple of thoughts, what we think could be going on, what could, what's going to okay. happen, who's going to win. Uh, we're starting off with NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Okay. Uh, and all right off the bat, uh, in my opinion, the hardest match to predict of the whole weekend mm-hmm. is the Velveteen Dream taking on EC3. Right off the bat, is, I mean, is EC3 a face now? I don't know. I'm so confused on these last few weeks of NXT. The way it, It's two heels going at it which is fine yes. but the way it's been presented is ec3 kind of babyface-esque right yeah i mean going back it's what this started last month when they were in england and 
Velveteen Dream walked out on him because it was just, but that was just a one-time match in England. But they're using this as the launching pad for this whole rivalry. But I, I'm so confused by this because it's like, I mean, the crowd is behind him, but it just because I think you know in today's world it's cool to cheer for the bad guy. So you tell me that crowd being behind EC3. See, I feel like the crowd is mega behind Velveteen Dream. Yeah. Which of the two, if they were going to turn one face, which by the way, I don't support turning either one of them face. I think their characters naturally work better as a heel. I think you could more easy. Velveteen Dreams had a longer time in NXT to sort of justify a face turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, EC3 is has still lo- ha- hasn't really gotten his feet under him in NXT. Correct, but he definitely had the lo- longer wrestling career, like his t- yeah, time and I mean, impact but, and everything. But the way, like the way I look at it in NXT, though, it's like he's not really established there yet. Yes, okay. As far as this canon, yeah, yeah, I get that. For me, I'm leaning towards a little bit towards Velveteen Dream because he lost. Yep. The last takeover. Lost his last for, couple, right? Due for a win. EC3 wasn't on the last takeover. And so this is his first takeover he's performing at. So how many guys actually win their first takeover appearance? Yeah, it's it, again, it's it's I could really go either way on who's gonna win. I I, I I looked at it that way too. I don't think Velveteen Dream has won on a takeover. I'm not I'm not certain. Yeah, I mean I, or it's been a minute because he, he he lost to Ricochet. Yes. He lost in the ladder match. He lost to Aleister Black before that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's been at least three takeovers uh, since. And then I'm trying to think this, the, the go-home episode for NXT. I mean, they they uh, were in the ring and EC3. Got the beat down. Yes. And usually that's the telltale sign yeah. of who whoever's standing tall on the go-home show is most usually the, the loser. loser. Yeah. But oh, I mean, flip a coin. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I think the, the damnedest thing about it is that Velveteen Dream can lose and still be okay yeah it's the thing i think his character is more equipped to handle a loss character wise mm-hmm. than maybe ec3 is because at least velveteen dream has been on the last few takeovers ec3 True. really hasn't so that that's that that's what's got me going back and forth flip a coin i'm, I'm going 51 percent for velveteen dream like 49 for ec3 i mean it, it that is a tough tough one to call uh for the weekend uh, next one we're going to talk about is the NXT Tag Team Title Match, the Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain. I'd like to point out to everybody that Cody Rhodes was the first man in a while to get a mustache over in pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, a little bit more background on me. If you haven't heard it, Cody Rhodes is the man who named me Bimbo Jimbo. So he's my he's my creator, my progenitor, my wrestling father. Maybe next episode we lead off with that Play whole story. Play some archival footage yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of Cody. Love you, Cody. Uh, <laughs> so we got the NXT Tag Team Championship match, Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain. What are your thoughts on this one? Great main event, by the way, on NXT going into this one. Odd that yeah. they ended with a match that was promoting the Tag Team Championship match. Yeah. Solid match, though. Oh, between Tyler Bates and um, uh, Roderick Strong? Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Uh, I mean, okay. I think... Mustache Mountain winning the titles last month was just to please the UK crowd, just and to help sell the NXT UK division that they're starting up. So I let's undisputed era is winning. I think at this point, dude, they're the hottest thing in there, NXT. There's too many other like babyface tag teams for yes. them to face right now because I think they can. They got War Raiders waiting for them right on the other side. That's what I say. War Raiders is going to be waiting for them. You got like the but Street War- Profits. I mean, the Mighty are heels, but I think like the Street Profits and Undisputed Era would be a really fun feud. Yes, and, like I, I'm big on the Street Profits, so. dude. I mean, because both of them are very animated. Undisputed Era is yeah. very fun 
and the heel turn for Roderick Strong, to me, that's been like a, just a big time shot of juice into that character. I mean, he went from, and, and no offense to the performer and the man himself, but he was kind of bland as a baby yeah. face. They didn't really give him a lot to work with. Instantaneously, super entertaining. Uh, so, like, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of what Roddy's got going on in the UE right now. Because I, I think it's going to be more entertaining for Undisputed Era versus War Raiders down the line. Absolutely. I think that's, and that's gonna, the next program that's going to. I wouldn't be surprised if War Raiders take the belts off of them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the next take I don't over. see heavy machinery taking the belts off of them no. or anything like that. Although they've love- grown on me. They've grown on me. I'll give them that. I'll okay. give them that. And you know what? And I, I never liked TM61. But since they're changed the mighty, they're growing on me a little bit too. Tommy and I were talking last night. The the one guy in heavy machinery, the shorter guy, like Dozovich. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't he look like um the guy that was in uh was it Pee Wee Herman's play out? The guy who took his bike and I don't even remember. Oh, that's, that's too deep. I gotta do a that's separated by birth. Yeah, we'll, we'll look that up afterward. Okay, so we both we both got UE there. Yes. Uh that's right. NXT Women's Championship. Uh Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane. Uh right off the bat, I just have to say I love Kyrie Sane. Yes. Uh I think I love the pirate princess thing. I don't know. She's got a cool, defined character. The crowd loves her. I like her whole entrance, her 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 aesthetic, how she presents herself. She's the truth in the ring. I'm a, a big Kyrie Sane fan. That being said, I feel like Shayna is holding on to it. I mean, we could see the the what is it, the like the fake version of the four horse women showing up, you know, because they sign with WWE, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. girls and stuff. So you know, maybe that's a thing. Maybe Lacey Evans reinserts herself uh, into the Kyrie Sane feud. So what I'm thinking is, okay, they keep talking about the May Young Classic last year mm-hmm. and how Kyrie got that win. So I think the fact that they keep emphasizing she already has the one victory. I think this is Shayna's time to win. So sort of exercise that demon. Yeah, and the other thing, I really think I think Shayna's going to be champion for a while. I think the person who's going to maybe take it off her would be Candice LeRae. As the I can see that top baby face that they're building her. I know she's new to NXT, but I can see that they're going to try to build her up as the top underdog baby face. So take down the big bad Shayna Baszler. So yeah. who knows? That could be next WrestleMania weekend. I, I will say if they decide to put it on Kyrie Sane, she has a bevy of talent that she could face. So, I mean, between Vanessa Bourne, you know, Bianca Belair, oh. uh, Lacey Evans, there's a lot Dakota. of heel, uh, a lot of heel females though, that she could take on. Yeah. I, I I, I would women's... love it if Dakota Kai was the one to take it off Shayna, though. And that's It'd the be a better end to that story. Yeah, they, they never really finished that whole angle. Yeah. So, But no, I think Shayna Baszler, I think for right now, it's her time because they keep... And then even at the this last uh, go-home NXT, Kyrie Singh did, what, three elbow drops and kept looking back at Shayna at the table. Yeah. So I think it's another telltale sign that uh, it's, it's Shayna going to go over here. All right, NXT North American Championship. Adam Cole, baby, versus the one and only Prince Puma. Oh, I mean Ricochet. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> you're going to do that already? Yeah, well, I love Prince Puma and I love Ricochet. Uh, this is another one that's actually tough for me to sort of call. Yeah. I lean Adam Cole because I sort of lean keeping Undisputed Era looking strong and everything mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, Ricochet did win his last takeover when he lost the ladder match to Adam Cole. Hey, this is another one that I think is tough, though. What do you got? Well, I, I was also thinking, yeah, go Adam Cole, just because like Ricochet got the victory last time. I think for Ricochet, I think they're building him up as the potential next big baby face for NXT for his time on this roster before getting eventually called up. But with that being said, I think you got to kind of kick him down a few to really come back, overcome the odds to eventually win. So to win his first title match, yeah, 
I mean, okay, if you want to count the ladder match as a first title match, but I think they need to kind of kick him down a little bit. Really, like I don't think Adam Cole should go over clean. You know, I mean, he's got the, he's got the squad, the UE there yeah. with him for a reason. And I I like the idea because he's the inaugural NXT North American champion. I like the idea of the first champion having a nice long yeah. reign to sort of put over the belt and everything like that. So I, I, I'd, I'd like to see Adam Cole uh, retain it. And again, I'm a huge Ricochet guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, well, <laughs> it's going to be tough to be match of the night with the next one we got to talk about. But that's going to be a kick-ass match, though, between the two of those guys. I'm really looking forward to Adam Cole and Ricochet. That, that to me, is a tough one to call. But the main event, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. This is why I'll say I called that this was gonna. This is where the feud would be capped off, and it would in fact be for the NXT Championship. But Tommaso Ciampa, the best heel in pro wrestling, versus Johnny Gargano, maybe the best babyface in pro wrestling. Last man standing, perfect way to end this feud and finally leave it all out there. Uh, this, in my estimation, is a lock to be the best match of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am just I I, I am. This is another one. Like we're talking about Stone Cold and The Rock. Mm-hmm. Just every one of their matches, the the build and just the anticipation for it is, is always at an all time high. Mm-hmm. This is, this to me has been the best feud in pro wrestling in a long time. Yeah. I love the pro like old school like promo packages that they've done for it. Champa's heel work, Gargano's like you know just the baby face hope spots and everything like that, and him sort of losing part of himself. It's all been so good, and it's all led to this. The storytelling, especially in the most recent one, I, spitting on the ring, and yeah. It, well, I even think even just the like I I watched I've watched on repeatedly the the promo package for NXT Takeover New Orleans. And it's just like, I mean, the fact that they've had this slow burn and that they followed up with it like they have with when Ciampa churned on Gargano after they, after they lost, yeah. which is it's so great. Like, it's just, coming it back. such a great oh, no, moment. No, that was in Chicago when that happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was in Chicago. And I love that, uh, you know, just in that promo package, you know, you see that moment happen and just Johnny's just sort of reaction looking at the camera just goes, why? Mm-hmm. You know, and just and, and like the way they in, use photos from Johnny's real wedding you know, just them traveling the world together. Like, it's very Shawn Michaels versus Triple H-esque, you know? Like, yeah, I can hear JR's voice in my head. You know, Shawn and Triple H, they're closer than a lot of brothers. Uh, and it's that same kind of thing. So I, I, I cannot wait for this to be capped off, and I think they're going to do the right thing uh, and have it be Johnny Gargano finally realizing his dream of being NXT champion, exercising the demon that is the Sicilian psychopath Tommaso Ciampa, Celebrate once again, Candice LeRae, and I think, unfortunately, probably that means Ciampa's going up to the main roster. And that's what I was going to ask you is, let's look at the implications from this match, because this is something we talked about off the air, is whoever wins and loses this match, what's next for each wrestler, respectively? And you and I have talked off the air as far as, I think whoever loses is going to get called up. Because I think, is it around summer, post-SummerSlam, they kind of have like a little bit of a light superstar shake or slash the call-ups. They do from some call-ups, yeah, yeah. So you and I have talked off the air as far as, okay, whoever wins the title, obviously, yeah, they're going to stay on NXT because they're, they're the champion. But then the other guy was left for them to do. It only makes sense for them to be called up. I think at this point, I think Johnny Gargano, what he has to offer as the champion is there's a, the fans love him. I think it only makes sense for him to be the current face, especially now that we know that Alistair Black is out with an injury. Yeah. Tommaso Ciampa, I think him getting called up to Weber's show, I think he could be like a great instant mid-card heel for someone. 
So I think he could come up to the main roster right away and have some instant heat and be kind of curious to what he can do up there. I don't know, but do you think either one of them is ready right now to go up? Both of them are ready. Okay. Uh, I, I don't I don't wish it on either one of them because I love what they're doing in yeah, NXT. Yeah, oh, totally. And, and just the presentation right now is so much better in NXT that I worry about, I especially worry about when Johnny gets called up. Yes. Uh, I, because it would be very easy for them to sort of like stick him on 205 Live or whatever and him just get lost in the shuffle. You look at like guys like Chad Gable and stuff who are getting kind of lost as well. Yeah, I mean, it would be... It, it would be it would be a tough pill to swallow to see him get sort of mistreated because that's happened a lot with NXT guys and stuff like that. Like, I don't think I don't think Ciampa's immune to not be having a great run on the main roster. Well, I'm What's worried. ironic to me is that one of the best NXT call-ups ever was Elias, and he had some of the least amount of success in NXT, but had a great amount of success on the main roster. Well, going back to Gargano, as far as, I think if Daniel Bryan didn't come back, I think Gargano could have been the, that great underdog baby face that Daniel Bryan represented in the past but the fact that he's back it's obvious okay let's put it back on him yeah so i think gargano for him right now it makes sense to stay on nxt yeah, wherever they get called up they should be on opposite shows and then the redux to this feud is you know probably champa gets the title again and, and gargano wins the royal rumble i mean like they're gonna have to reprise this feud on the main roster and oh it's, yeah it's gonna be beautiful if they play it right that's like a down the road a couple maybe Do you have like, gargano I, as well What's that? Oh yeah, I have Gargano as well. I think I just feel a little bad though. Is Champa only being champion for what three weeks, if that, a month maybe? If, if my uh, math is correct, so it just kind of sucks that he's only been champion for three weeks. Literally, he was a transitional paper champ between. But that Alistair. that makes it all that like that to me. And I thought about that too. Is that he's going to be one of the shortest, if not shortest, NXT champions? I think maybe Samoa Joe had a really short reign. If, if memory serves, but that to me is okay because it even serves the purposes of the storyline that it's like he had it for such a fleeting moment. And then damn that Johnny wrestling took it away from me uh, kind of to the point where he will leave NXT. So that, that, that to me is, is totally, I, I'm fine with that. And he got, I mean, look, he you never take away the fact that he was an NXT champion, no matter how long oh, the yeah, reign was. It's in the record books. And, and it, usually those reigns are a little bit longer. So I think it's nice to sort of hot shot it once every once in a while. Yeah. But so we, we both have Gargano. We now turn our eyes to Sunday, 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 SummerSlam 2018, uh, let's start off with Rusev and Lana versus Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega, the towering inferno of hotness that she is. <laughs> who, who you got? I, I think uh, Aiden English is going to get involved. He keeps screwing up. I think he's going to get involved this. So he's going to try to help Rusev again, screw up, and I think he's going to cost them. This might be the end of... Breakup? Yeah, of uh, his part in Rusev Day. So I'm leaning towards Andrade. I think... Uh, I think I will. I will offer. I will. I will offer the opposite sentiment. Is he's he's screwed up so many times that maybe finally at SummerSlam he gets it right and it will be a himself? happy Rusev day. So yeah, I don't. I don't know that that one's tough to call for me because I, I feel like sometimes the matches that have less importance put on them are t- are tougher to predict. Just because like I feel oh, like yeah. I feel like booking could be like ah well we'll just do this. So you know Zelina's already won two matches again. I I, I think Rusev mm-hmm. and Lana are going over. That, that's what I got. I mean, that Brooklyn crowd would be going pretty crazy. Yeah. For, uh, Listen, and I love Andrade and I love Zelina, and I think they have big things I, uh, ahead for them, hopefully. 
and they don't get lost in the shuffle as well. <sighs> so should I go with? You mm. got to make your own choice, baby. This is why I was a little hesitant about doing this before you made your picks. Cause why? Because I, I don't want to give you any insider information. That I love I have. it. I might be circling yeah, everyone you do. Well, maybe I'm maybe we'll I'm giving you false information. I haven't been circling anything. Saving mine for a fresh mind. Wow. So you actually do two versions. I will. I, the audio I reserve, version. I reserve the right to go back on all these picks. I, we can go. We will go over who we actually picked. You know, next time. I'm circling as I'm going. I know, and I like that. I'm being authentic to the listeners I'm out being there. Authentic too. I'm telling you you're my true thoughts. A, you're changing things. I, I'm, no, I'm just. I'm telling you how I feel right now in this moment. Uh, Raw Tag Team Championship: The B Team versus the Revival. Man. The Revival is an NXT call-up gone awry if there's ever been one. Is this their chance to get right? Do you yes. think they become the first ones to beat the B team? I think the B team's getting a little... They had their moment to shine, but I think it's it's time to ch- change things up, and I think the Revival are long overdue to being champions. I just I love their style. They had that old-school tag team. Going back to what we talked about, the Hart Foundation, and just that era of tag team wrestling, definitely the Revival. Watching them is a great throwback to all those great tag teams. And I know the Raw tag division is kind of all over the place. It's not really been consistent for a while, and there's a lot of rumors that... There's a lot of great tag teams in WWE right now, and so in no disrespect to the B team, because I think they're entertaining, Yes, but I don't think a comedic team should be the champion of Raw. Correct. Yeah, and there, there's just too much act, like in-ring tag team talent to where we should actually be taking those matches seriously because given the time and effort, they're usually the best match of the night. When I was just going to say, as far as rumor, there's a rumor that right now a lot of the head honchos don't invest as much time into the tag team division. They just kind of. So what I'm saying is, I hope that the revival could maybe reset things on the Raw brand as far as kind of building back up the whole tag team division and so that's why i'm gonna go with the revival i just think it's their time to win and then hopefully start just a whole fresh new segment in the tag team division cruiserweight championship cedric alexander versus drew gulak uh i you flip a coin i'm going with cedric because he's so damn good yeah i mean he's been the champion since they what resetted the whole wrestlemania yeah the, the 205 live brand uh i think like a a better heel down the road should be the one to take it off him. Yeah. So I was thinking, thinking Cedric as well. U.S. Championship, Shinsuke Nakamura versus the Enigma, Jeff Hardy. This screams Randy Orton getting involved. Absolutely. Again. I don't think they're taking it off Shinsuke here. Correct. I, I think Shinsuke all the way. I mean, the other thing is like, originally, like, wasn't there talk of Jeff Hardy taking time off? Like, he's banged up. And so I think when they got the belt off him and Randy beat him down, that was a way to ride him off TV. But he still shows up every week. So Tough, tough guy to get rid of. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, I, I'm, I, this whole situation is a little just uh, interesting. But yeah, and Randy Orton, he's not scheduled for SummerSlam. But I think, yeah, he's going to get... After we saw this past SmackDown Live, him kind of lurking in shadows, looking... Hello. And then popping back in. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's Shinsuke. Uh, SmackDown Women's Championship. I am really looking forward to this one. Uh, it is going to be Carmella, the champion, taking on Becky Balboa, a.k.a. Becky Lynch, and Charlotte. This, to me, this needs to be Becky Lynch's moment to win the championship. I, I think it will be. I, I wish this was still a singles match. I get it. The star power of Charlotte and the fact that she's ready to be back demands that she gets put into this match. I wish... This was going to be just Becky's one-on-one match moment, but I hope she gets her time to shine in this match. I hope she wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. 
probably leading to a Charlotte heel turn over the jealousy of it. So I'm I'm going I'm going with Becky Balboa here. I was thinking Becky too, but then I thought about it. I was like, well, maybe Carmella should win, like sneak out another victory, kind of keeps her storyline going. Of like, look, I beat Charlotte for a third time. I beat Becky too in the same match, and then uh, I'm thinking it could still lead to Charlotte turning heel on Becky, and maybe they set up a little thing going back and forth. Then maybe the eventual winner then faces Carmella again. But then the other thing I'm thinking about, and this is kind of going back to uh, talking a little bit later about Ronda. As you said, we think maybe next WrestleMania could be Ronda versus Charlotte. How do you get that set up? They're both on opposite shows. One's going to win the Women's Royal Rumble. Exactly. And I... I think maybe Charlotte might be the one to win the Rumble. Absolutely. Call out Ronda. Yeah. And so it puts Charlotte back on Raw, which no matter what anybody wants to say is perceived as the A show. And so with that being said, if you're the champion, you can't really be in the Rumble. You just Because she sat out the last one. Yeah, we still got time to go before Royal Rumble. Yeah, though. but I, I we got just, plenty of time. Yeah, but I... Uh, hmm. We got plenty of time. All right. The match that I am most looking forward to on the, on the, on the card for SummerSlam proper... Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. This, as they keep saying, has been years in the making and everything like that. The promo packages, all the segments have been fantastic for this. I was a little worried about them rushing into it so soon after Daniel's comeback, but they haven't disappointed with the build. If I were to book this match, this is fantasy booking. I'm not saying this is who I'm picking or what I think is going to happen, but if I were to do this, you have The Miz win. Not clean as a whistle, but not necessarily super dirty either. You have The Miz win this match, and you have him gloat and gloat and gloat and refuse a rematch to Daniel Bryan. You have Daniel Bryan. You have Miz at some point down the line dethrone AJ Styles and win the WWE Championship, and then you have Daniel Bryan win the Men's Royal Rumble Mm -hmm. and challenge The Miz at WrestleMania, and Daniel gets his his, uh, big win at the biggest show. So I, I I think that that that's how I would play this. I mean, that's a super long con if WWE has the patience in them to do it, but that's what I would do. What do you got? I think that's that's the best way cuz the the video package, the three-part thing they had this past Tuesday was nicely put together. I really enjoyed it. That got me so hyped up. It's been a while since I've been really hyped up for a match like that. So, thank you to the creative team, producer teams who put that together. So, but as you said, yeah, I think they want to ride this for as long as they can. And, of course, on the biggest stage, you want to settle things, WrestleMania. So how do you get that? I mean, you can't let Daniel Bryan win now because then it kind of slows down or deflates the whole rivalry. I think, yeah, Miz goes over now, and it could be a long-term build up to WrestleMania. Uh, My fear, though, is that they're just going to have Daniel Bryan win, and that's the end of it. Not that I'm against I love Daniel Bryan. I think he should be the top babyface in the company, him and Braun Strowman. Uh, But... I could see them ending the feud right here, though. No, that would be ridiculous. I mean, it's SummerSlam. It's huge stage. You know, Daniel Bryan gets his big moment. You know, he gets revenge for the Talking Smack promo and everything like that. So, but just kill it right then and there. Yeah. No, I mean, it, they could do it. Miz has a lot of other things going on too. He's a new father. Maybe but, he wants to take time off. But I think so. Not to telegraph my future pick here, but I think the best guy to dethrone AJ Styles is the Miz. Because what else can the Miz do at the quote mid card level? He's been a multiple Intercontinental Champion, so and plus you know Icy Bell we, we know is on Raw, but like what else can he do at the mid card level? He's been killing it for the last couple of years. Yeah, he is due for a main event push again. Agreed. So, so I think getting a win over Daniel Bryan is the perfect way to launch him into that 
scenario, separate the two of them for a while, come back to that at WrestleMania. But in the meantime, I think the Miz's next feud will be with AJ Styles. At some point in the coming months, he gets the belt from AJ Styles, and then it can you go back into the well and him and Daniel Bryan. I hope. So early 2019 can be, yeah, the Royal Rumble, and then just the build from that. And I think in the meantime, again, not to telegraph our picks, but we are, but I think you could put Daniel Bryan with Samoa Joe. Exactly. And have a kick-ass feud in the, in the interim and sort of just flip-flop who they're feuding with. Uh, Intercontinental Championship, Dolph Ziggler with Drew McIntyre in his corner and Seth Rollins with the returning lunatic fringe, Dean Ambrose, looking, looking very swole. I wonder you know, what Renee fees him at slight, home. Slightly, slightly revamped look. What do you uh, think? Do you question, like the look? I, I like the look. My question, though, in this match is, uh, is Dean turning heel on Sunday? Okay, where did this come from? Like, everyone's been saying, like, for the last couple of months, they're like, oh, Dean's been out for a while, and he's due to come back any month now. And everyone's like, oh, he, and he's probably going to turn heel, too. Where did this whole rumor or speculation that he's going to turn heel start? I, I think because it's to, it's to sort of... Uh, sort of reinvent and refresh the character a little bit, you know, and he, to do so, you got to go heel. I don't think you have to go heel, but I think, I mean, it's, it's a way of going about it and it's a way of keeping the intercontinental championship on, on Dolph Ziggler and then setting up a friend. It's a, it's a good way of parting Seth from his feud with Dolph without okay. putting the title back on him. Okay. Uh, and, but I mean, maybe, Maybe you want Seth and, and Dean to go back into the tag team title conversation. You have them feud with the revival. So I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if he goes heel or not. Or if Dean, I wouldn't be surprised though. If Dean goes heel, turns on Seth, and then that's that's their program. They're going to go at it for the next couple months, and yeah. and so that keeps Seth occupied, and then Dean or Adolph can go off and fight someone else for the icy belt. Exactly, and he can defend it against people. I mean, so yeah, I, I believe that as well because I think they need more quality heels on Raw. As far as, especially the upper mid-card level right now, because we know Brock is, you know, the top heel, right, or the way they've been building him on Raw. So I think, especially now we don't know what Brock's future is. So I think it makes sense for maybe Dean to go heel and just kind of revitalize the the heel department for the Raw division. So he could feud I, with Seth. He could then feud with Roman, you know. Yeah, so the possibility. So okay, that makes sense as far you know, as mentally. You know, while I've been out, you just went. You know, been burning it down. You know, Monday Night Rollins. Never I got thought, you there. Never thought about me. You turned on us before. You know, there's unfinished business there. So I, I definitely would not be surprised uh, with that. So I think yeah, I think Dolph is retaining in some capacity. It's not going to be it, some you know some crazy business is going to get involved. It. So I, I I think Dean might be turned heel just because of. It's the only way I think for Dolph to keep the belt on him. Yeah. So, okay. Next match for the Money in the Bank contract: Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens. If Braun loses in any capacity, he loses the contract. I love Braun Strowman. He's he's my favorite guy on Monday Night Raw. Uh, I and I I you know it's been cute. Kevin Owens has got some cute wins. Jinder Mahal has gotten some cute wins over Braun. I don't like Braun losing. I don't like him losing here. I think he holds on to the Money in the Bank contract. They made a shirt called Monster in the Bank. Uh, I, I think I think Braun wins this going away and a nice little end to his feud with Kevin Owens. I was kind of thinking Kevin Owens might win this because, I, okay, I didn't want Braun to win the Money in the Bank because, he, dude, he's a monster. Right? He doesn't need the briefcase. But I guess since he was in the ladder match for Money in the Bank briefcase, they, they 
it only made sense for him to win because he's the most dominating figure in that match. So he had to win. But now that he's won, it's like, well, dude, he could win this on his own anyway without the briefcase if they would actually give him a title push. But I, I, I think it would be interesting. That's never happened before. Has anyone lost a briefcase? Trying to remember. Like a stipulation where they lost it before. Not saying you cash it in and you lose your title shot. That We know that's happened three times. Didn't I think. Kennedy lose Kennedy, it to Edge? John Cena and no, Kennedy lost his briefcase to Edge, didn't he? I'm trying to remember now. I don't. I don't remember. But we'll, we'll have to. We'll have to check the so, check the tapes on that one. I think it could be interesting. It could kind of help Kevin Owens right now. It gives him something fresh to work with as far as having the briefcase. He'd be like, "Ha ha, I got it." I mean, the dude's been like busting his ass the last few pay per views, taking so big bumps. Braun. I mean, but the guy was in a porta potty. Braun's, got- Braun's one of the most over guys in the company. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. And he's a giant. He shouldn't lose to Kevin Owens. Okay, my original thought was Braun winning because I think yeah. what he could do down later. The, yes. Later, so I, I think Braun is going to go over still, just because I think what's going to be needed at the end of the pay per view, which we'll talk on in a second. Yeah. So now we're going to get to the SmackDown Tag Team Championship: Bludgeon Brothers versus the New Day. Listen, I will never disrespect any professional wrestler. I, res- you know, like I think they're, I, I respect what they do and everything like that. I'm not a fan of the Bludgeon Brothers gimmick. Uh, I, I have not that been a fan, fan of their title reign. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm not into it. It's not, it's not, it's not hitting with me. So I am, I, I don't know if it's a smart booking call or not. What they're gonna do? I'm taking the new day. Me too, because it's what I wanted to happen. Well, uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, it's been kind of just a little bit boring as far as they've just been doing squash matches. Yeah, or even this past SmackDown Live, it was taking on three guys, but the match never started. They just kind of jumped them and beat the crap out of them, and it was over with without the bell ringing. So, it, I mean, it's not all their fault. It's how they've been booked, but I just think. For the Bludgeon Brothers, it's like, okay, it's a nice moment. Someone else different win the belts. But I think the New Day wins and then maybe start something with the bar. Yeah. Afterwards. I, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. I think that would that would make total sense. Okay. Uh, how this match is on two straight pay-per-views is beyond me. But here we are again. Finn Balor versus Constable Baron Corbin. I thought this could have been pre-show. <laughs> uh, I thought it would be. I mean, it still could be. I think that stuff's always up in the air. They yeah. can make last-second changes. Uh I don't know. I got I got uh, I got Finn Balor here. Yeah, it's, it's, Finn. it's so easy. It's Finn. I mean, poor Baron Corbin. Like he's been this authority figure in Raw, but he, I mean, everyone just you know still kind of bosses him around or does what he wants. He's not been like the amazing authority figure that I think he's been supposed to be built up as. Uh, another one I'm really looking forward to: Raw Women's Championship. Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey. Is this when Ronda finally gets her hand on some gold in WWE? <sighs> At first, I was like, I don't want to see her win this so soon since she debuted because I always worry about someone getting that big rocket push. But I, then I was like, okay, she's been, you know, on Raw for the last four months, four plus months now. She, I mean, didn't she officially sign back in what? Or she made an appearance at the Royal Rumble. That's right. So she's been with the WWE for a while now. So I think it's time for her to win. I think the way they've just been building her up and. I think she can win now, and it could lead to, like, just a lot of fun things. I'm just curious. Like, where's been Nia Jax been? She's been off, written off TV for a while. Yeah. So I wonder, is there a way she can maybe get involved somehow? She should be a heel, too. Nia yes. should be a heel. Yes. Uh, I, I, I get what you're saying, too. I mean, Ronda is, like, the biggest box office draw for WWE right now. It makes sense. Put the belt on her. It does. It makes total sense. 
It's her time. And plus, it kind of gives more credence to SummerSlam as a big show, big moments happening. She had her time to shine with her debut in WrestleMania. Now this is the next big moment in her wrestling career, SummerSlam. And it could be a great highlight for years to come, what SummerSlam means. Yeah, totally. Uh, WWE Championship, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. I think the build to this match has been has been terrific as well. I was going to say phenomenal, but I didn't want to you know didn't want anybody to get the wrong idea. They don't want none. Uh, they don't want none. I, I I think this is a tough match to predict, uh, but I'm going with AJ Styles because I think it's the right call to make. Like we were talking about earlier, that it should be the Miz to dethrone AJ for all those reasons we laid out. So yeah, I'm I'm going with AJ in a very competitive match uh, to beat Samoa Joe here, which is tough because Samoa Joe's like lost all of his big matches pretty much from pay per view, you know, mm-hmm. for WWE. It's been a tough year for him between the injuries and yeah, losing the matches. Because like was it a year ago he was in that five man? Yeah, yeah. So the other thing, I mean, just think about it. Who would have thought like ten years ago? that these two top TNA guys would be fighting for the belt, champ, WWE Championship at SummerSlam. So kudos to them for just Absolutely. everything they've accomplished. But, yeah, I'm going to go with AJ Styles. I mean, I I would love to see Samoa Joe be champion eventually. But, yeah, AJ Styles, because I think him and Miz can have a great entertaining program. And then Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe can do stuff for the next coming months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, and finally. Oh, real quick. I say congrats to AJ Styles. Yeah, the longest reign SmackDown champion ever. Yes, yeah, so well, WWE I, champion in SmackDown history, right? Yes. Uh, all right. Finally, the Universal Championship match: Brock Lesnar taking on the Big Dog, uh, Roman oof, Reigns. Oof. Um, I, I'm going to say what I want. Okay. And I want Brock Lesnar to win this match. I do not want Roman Reigns to win this match. I, I don't like. And the build to this match has been very good. Mm-hmm doesn't change the fact that I didn't have any interest in seeing it. Uh it, again, I think I think they made the wrong call by having it not be Lashley here and I you know and I think that would be, still be soon for La- but for Lashley to get the shot, but it made sense when you have Lashley go over at the pay-per-view and then you have him just lose his shot on Raw. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Uh and and I get the whole uncrowned champion thing. I don't think that whole like conspiracy theory acted Roman any favors. <sighs> Brock Lesnar is the guy they ended the streak. Brock They've they've built up this guy, uh, and the logical call was for Roman to slay that beast at WrestleMania. Why? And then you know, final he'll take it at Greatest Royal Rumble, and he still didn't do it there. At this point, to me, it's not going to be satisfying if he just does it now. To me, I think it makes okay. more sense that Brock just has Roman's number, and that's okay. Brock has a lot of guys' numbers. Uh, I so if you want somebody to be a beast slayer. You have it be Braun Strowman, either via cash in SummerSlam, or he says when he's going to cash in and has him beat Braun, as he beats Brock just straight up in a one on one match. And the other thing is, as a fan of WWE, I got no problems with Bron- with Brock Lesnar taking a WWE championship into the octagon with him on UFC television. I think that is awesome. I think that is great marketing, which is why. I'm not so sure that Roman wins here. Conventional booking says, yes, Roman wins because Brock's leaving for a while. I don't know. We all thought he was going to win at WrestleMania, too. Okay. I'm thinking. (sighs) Yeah, I'm with you. I think it'd be really entertaining that he would come out as next UFC match. First one back and he has the belt with the universal title 
And just to stick it to Joe Rogan, just to hear, I would love to hear Joe Rogan's commentary with the bell. I would love to hear what he have to say on a professional level, like he's doing his job. Because we know Joe Rogan's crept on wrestling for a while now. Brock Lesnar in UFC is good for WWE. Brock Lesnar with a WWE championship around his waist going UFC. That's a hell of a visual, especially if he wins. And he gets the and UFC gets belly. <laughs> so, oh my God. But you think Vince is okay with that? Yes. I, I think I think that they are more simpatico than ever, UFC and WWE. So apparently they're, the rumor is that they're uh, they're all meeting before SummerSlam. Brock is meeting with all the upper Yeah, and upper apparently people. he wants to stick around. So... But then, so he stays champion, and then, like, the belt is still going to be just hardly seen on TV. And I mean, what, you know, I mean, they've done a good job of promoting the Intercontinental Champion to sort of that, you know, sort of like the interim status. I mean, that's a tough, that's the toughest part about the cell is, is how long it's going to be until Brock's in that octagon. When is that? I, I'm not 2019? Even, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure. So that that's the other thing. So, I mean, it may very well be that, you know, Brock beats Roman and Braun cashes in and then wins. I'm fine with that. Braun should be the beast slayer no matter how you slice it. If we don't get Brock taking the title into the into the octagon, fine. But okay. it should be Braun taking the title off. Okay, are you okay with the idea? So what happens with Roman? At, okay, let's say he wins. Uh, Braun comes in. Or I'm sorry, Brock. Actually, it doesn't really matter because Braun ultimately is going to come in and cash in. He so, can cash in and make it a triple threat match at the start of the match. And then you really put over Braun because he had just beaten Kevin Owens. So you yes. have to do double duty. Well, I'm just saying, so let's say Braun, you're saying Braun walks out with the title at the end of the night, no matter yes. what. That's what I, that, that, that would, that is one scenario that I find very appealing. So what happens with Roman next? What is next? He's back. He should turn heel. He's back in the same situation as far as he's, he didn't accomplish his job. He's going to be the underdog trying to go for the, the title again. So I think it's just going to be repetitive storytelling as far as Roman trying to go for the belt. Finally get super frustrated. And he finally he finally goes heel. Let me ask you: Is Brock scheduled for the Raw after SummerSlam? I am not sure because I could see them doing you know probably the the, the outcome that we at least expect, and then maybe Brock drops it on a Raw. Maybe Braun cashes in on or Raw. catches on Raw. Yeah. Like maybe yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that too because keep Raw unpredictable. Yeah, uh, Brock could be celebrating in the the ring, and then Braun comes out, cashes in right then and there. So it's kind of very unpredictable because everyone's predicting. That Braun's going to cash at SummerSlam. No one's ever thinking about him doing it at Raw. Braun Strowman was the MVP of last year's SummerSlam, throwing the desk chairs. I can't believe it's been a whole year since that happened. Yeah. Uh, but that's when we, you know, the weeks prior to that, fell in love with the fact that those commentary chairs could, in fact, be used as a weapon. Uh, <laughs> and so it's something I had never seen before, really. Uh, but yeah, Braun Strowman being, it needs to be the guy to dethrone Brock, in my estimation. I think it's a better story if Brock just has Roman's number. I, I just I just think that makes more sense at this point. Uh, so I don't want to see Roman go over. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, conventional booking wisdom is that Roman's going to win. But uh, but hell with that. I mean, the thing sounds like the safe bet is Roman. Yeah, well, circle on your sheet. Whatever you want to do. I don't buddy. know. Maybe I'll leave this one blank right now. Yeah, and maybe. I'll come back. All right. I want to end tonight with uh, we have a you know as we're debuting here in the click. Bimbo Jimbo, Baby Huey here with you. We want to do a segment where we have like a from the vault where you can pop on your WWE network and everything like that. Go back and watch a classic match. So the theme for this episode is SummerSlam, given that we've been talking about this year's edition. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Homer pick of saying, do yourself a favor. Go back and rewatch maybe my favorite SummerSlam match of all time. 2002, Mm -hmm. the returning Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H. 
Uh, Classic match. Street fight. Fa- this, uh, unsanctioned. Unsanctioned. Fight. Yeah. He comes out with the jeans. Oh, he's got the jeans. <laughs> the got- jeans, the Philippians 413 uh, tank top on. And it was, uh, boy, it, it, for a Shawn Michaels mark, I thought that might be the the last, you know, I, I never thought I'd see Shawn back in the ring. Mm-hmm. Never thought I'd see him back doing his thing again like he did that night. Like he exceeded all expectations. He was as good as he ever was. Didn't know if we'd at that point that he was going to have the incredible second act of his career mm-hmm. that night. I was fine. If that, if Shawn Michaels never wrestled another match in his life, that was, that was amazing. But he went on for what? Another seven years, another eight, years eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. No, that's definitely, I mean, yeah, that definitely helped. Is it, is it safe to say SummerSlam 2002 is probably the best SummerSlam? It's one of the most well-regarded SummerSlams okay. of all time. Okay. So for me, I mean, just kind of, Going off current events, what's been going on, I think, with the unfortunate passing of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. I recommend you guys go out, watch SummerSlam 1990, Heart Foundation versus Demolition. Great tag team match. Oh. Yeah, so I think just Moment. a great time to see you know the Heart Foundation, what they really represented at the time, and just them working together, and they had a great rivalry with Demolition. So, And plus, you know, that's the old school era that we originally grew up on as little kids, so that's, I think, a great throwback for you guys to watch. Successful first episode. Been a lot of fun with you, baby Huey. We did it. We want to get you, the listeners, involved as well. So we have we have set up a, a fancy pants uh, Gmail account. It's in the click at gmail.com. If you want to opine, have any questions, anything you want us to talk about, feel free to hit us up in the click at gmail.com. Can I have the password? Can I check it? You can you can check it right can now. I put baby it on my Huey. phone. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So <laughs> we'll be getting that going for you. This we're gonna be doing this every week, bringing you wrestling content. And that's the other thing is I think you and I were working on a lot of great features as well. I think yeah, we have some media. things we're gonna yeah. we're gonna reveal down the line. We have a lot of cool stuff planned for you. But that is going to do it for our inaugural edition. And remember, if you're not in the click, see ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya.